0: It uses nature and the cycle of nature or the elemental cycle to be produced and then to be turned into a paint. So we don't use plastics to make our paint do the job as a a colouring for the wall. We let the material do the work and that's completely different to conventional paints.
1: Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best selling author focused on a holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello everyone, I hope you're all well. I've got a question for you. Have you taken the time to consider what's in the paint that's on almost every surface of your home? And do you know how they might be affecting your health or the environment? One of the best choices you can make is lime wash paint. And in today's episode, Bronwyn Riedel of Bauwerk Colour shares its benefits. For more than 20 years, she's been working with this natural material alongside her husband, Andreas. And now they have a thriving business based in Germany selling their paints around the world. Their beautiful home, a German manor house, features in my book still. And today we pick up our conversation from when we last met on a beautiful European summer's day, and she shares her journey to creating a life doing what she loves. Enjoy our conversation. Hi Bronwyn. I am so excited to chat to you. It's, um, it's been a little while since we saw each other and the last time that we caught up was when I was in Germany shooting your amazing home, the Schloss. Um, and, but today I want to kind of chat a little bit about your story, your journey to to working with paint, specifically lime wash paint. And I want you to share all the knowledge that you've learned, or at least, you know, the sort of, I guess, the key takeaways about it. But first of all, I like to start at the beginning and just get a little bit of an understanding of, you know, where you grew up and were there any threads in your life growing up that kind of gave an indication as to where you would end up today? You know, could you sort of see anything in that, that childhood
0: yeah, hi Natalie. Um, yeah, definitely. I think your childhood always forms where you end up. Um, I grew up on a sheep farm, on a fine wool merino sheep farm in northeast Victoria, and it was quite isolated. And I think that isolation um, really formed my way of seeing the world. We had to spend a lot of time amusing ourselves and we spent a lot of time just on the farm Exploring, doing whatever we wanted, and we were—I guess—we were always ended up with the confidence then to try things. I think that's really good, kind of way to have an upbringing, and that sort of helps. I think you learn to be creative. Um, I always really love to make things. My brother and I spent hours. My um, father was a um, an engineer, and so. We were always allowed to go into the big shed and start to make whatever it took our fancy. And it was sort of um, often it was uh, cubby houses. And I really, I don't know, I, I felt an energy when I did that, that I really enjoyed. And even from as a young child, that process really, I don't know, I would think about it all night. And so I think, you know, love of nature and, and the love of creation, sort of creative sort of things started then.
1: And then what about when you were then sort of in those school years, I guess, particularly those years where you start thinking about, you know, what am I going to do once I leave school? What were your thoughts at that point? And then what, you know, journey did you go on post-school?
0: Oh, that's kind of interesting. I think a couple of things. I don't think I had a really conscious sort of vision for my adult life when I was still at school, but I kind of wanted to leave actually in the end the country area. I wanted to expand and go somewhere else. I didn't really want to stay in the countryside and that, that kind of propelled me into what I was going to do which my mother said well if you're going to leave school and go somewhere you've got to make a plan. So I decided that film and television makeup would be for me. <laughs> um though I never really did anything with it I started it um and then I was allergic to the chemicals in the hairdressing um things and so then I stopped and then I kind of I realized that study and going the traditional way was not for me um so sort of since then I I then just started doing my own things so can you share yeah.
1: some of them, that you, sort of some of the well, key Well, some ones? of the
0: actually most amazing experience I got, which has set me up very well for my future, was working in restaurants. Um, so, of course, in those younger years, I, I didn't have a career, so I worked in restaurants to sort of support myself. And what I learned there was just really super good organizational skills, timing skills, all those kind of things, which I find I really enjoy and that sort of give me, has given me a good basis for being in business. Um, so that was kind of in my early years. And then I, when I had my children, which was also in my mid twenties, um, I decided that I'd like to have a career or to, to work in something that would give me flexibility, um, so that I could be home with them when they needed, but I could also work. So I set up my own business. Um, first I did a a few years of study, um, at printmaking, and then I started my own business. Hand painting textiles, and that I did all through my children's younger years.
1: That's which right. It kind of got Our me movie. then into colour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny though, because I mean, even when you sort of say that you had an interest in doing makeup and hair for film and television. And I mean, you know, so much of that is like working with a color, you know, working with a palette, you know, basically you're applying a palette to somebody's face, aren't you? I mean, it's sort of, you can see a little bit of a thread there. Um, So I think it's always interesting to see, you know, the things that we kind of have a curiosity about when we're, you know, in those very formative years and to see where it sort of takes us. and uh, and And again, interesting that you had an allergic reaction to the chemicals, because mm. you know that sort of is part of, well, you know your story of working with non-chemicals, I guess, you know natural materials now. but um so then how did bow work um come about? How did bow work colour come about? Um, what was the journey for that business starting?
0: Well, actually, another chemical reaction started that too. <laughs> because I was using I was doing I was quite successful at doing my um, hand-painted textiles but it was just a very small business of me and one other and but then I had an accident and I couldn't work for a while and when I went back to it the smell of the dyes that or the the inks that you use just made me feel really sick so I thought well I actually don't really want to do this and at the same time um, my husband, Andreas, with his family, uh, his German family, had a business where they did restoration of old strike buildings in Fremantle. And um, what we noticed in those buildings was the lime wash was still there and it still looked really beautiful. And so he started to make his own for those projects. And one of my things as a textile designer was my use of colour. And I kind of came up with my own way of mixing all my own colours. So... Um, I think after that accident, I thought, well, let's do something new. Let's, um, you know, let's start a business that we do together. And, um, yeah, so that's how Bower Work started in 2000. We bought an old shop, an older bakery in South Fremantle in in Western Australia that nobody else wanted. And, um, yeah, so we just kind of jumped in. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, that, that's quite a while ago now. I mean, what was mm. the process like to to educating people about this material, or was it? Were you on your own journey of discovery as well at that time?
0: I think a little bit of both. Um, I kind of <clears throat> found that I wanted to color the the paints with pigments, so that started a whole journey for me to understand pigments. And we also, uh, with that property that we had, we we kind of I guess one thing on Andreas and I've always done is we live and work always in the same sort of place so that so we we did that and then um we started a cafe there in the building but we also did everything to our beliefs in the natural materials and but kind of in a modern way so we also always had that sort of underpinning ourselves as well to sort of take lime wash and also green materials out of the Birkenstock kind of green leaf vibe, and into something a bit more modern and and just sort of show people how how simple, but how good it can be, and how good it can feel. Um, so that's sort of how we started.
1: And so at, in those sort of early years, who were the types of people who were buying you know the lime wash from you? Where was it? Um, sort of like uh, architects, you know, or builders, or was it like? um, more boutique businesses or, you know, what type of clientele was it? And I'm just curious as to how that has evolved over the years, you know, were it, was it people um, who already had knowledge of it or yeah, I'm
0: curious. I think, it, I think the builders were probably the last people we convinced <laughs> to use our paint, but I'm honest that took quite a while. Um, although, of course, um, there's always some that take it up and there's painters that take it up. But I think that wasn't not, it was not a known product or the perceptions of it were kind of difficult. Um, so I think the first clients we had were more just everyday people who saw what we were doing and felt inspired to try it themselves. And I think to, even to this day, they're, they're some of our best customers, just just people who want to do it themselves. Mm. Although, of course, we've developed into doing all kinds of things now, but um, with all different sorts of people.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing the, the, to see how your business has grown. Can you give us um, a kind of a starter, you know, like a Lime Wash 101, explaining what actually it is and how is Lime Wash different to? traditional paints that well, when I say traditional paints you know the sort of the common ones that you sort of buy at the local hardware store can you kind of give to the listeners a little bit of an understanding of, of what it's all about
0: well lime wash is a, is a paint that was actually traditional yes before <laughs> uh, the conventional paints maybe is the better word um yeah. it, it's it's a paint made from limestone um, or calcium carbonate. It's a stone that's made from minerals. Um, so it works completely differently. It, t- it uses nature and the cycle of nature or the elemental cycle to be produced and then to be turned into a paint. So we don't use plastics to make our paint do the job as a, a colouring for the wall. We let the material do the work and that's completely different to conventional paints.
1: And so can you give us a sort of a bit of a rundown then? So most people, if they're using your product, can they use it on, if they've got existing paint, do they have to strip that back or can they put it on top of existing paint? What's the kind of the best uh, way to apply it to to a wall? Because I think there's a lot of curiosity about lime wash paints now, you know, that people are seeing it used more and more. And um, yeah, I guess people might be having Questions in their mind about you know well do I have to can I only use it if I'm building you know or if it's an existing home can they use it then
0: yeah well part of um the, I guess part of our strategy or part of our plan for lime wash ourselves was to make it accessible for all different types of buildings without compromising on the natural aspects of it. So, of course, the optimum finish or surface for a lime wash is an absorbent wall, meaning something like render or brick. That's what it was traditionally used on because that's what we traditionally built with. But from the very beginning, we realised that a lot of people have previously painted or drywall, plasterboard, chiprock. So what we've done over the years is try to optimise the paint to work on all of those surfaces. And about two years ago, we brought out a product called work Prep Coat, which is like a bridging coat. You can still, you don't have to use that, but it does make it more optimal. So it sort of mimics um, an optimal surface. So it mimics render or it mimics brick, meaning that the paint gets a little bit sucked into that um, prep coat. And then that makes it easier to paint and it makes a lot more durable. And it just builds a bridge between... Um, the conventional building system which these days is built for the plastics industry Um, so we've tried to make it really easy for people to be able to use and then once you've used it and you've done those preparations you don't have to do them again you can then then use just lime wash going into the future you can just re-line wash as you as required
1: and can you give us a bit of a sort of rundown of Okay, the, the application, I know on your Instagram feed, you've got some great videos, which I encourage people to check out of, of applying it, but how is it different to applying a more conventional, let's say, <laughs> um, paints that you're using a roller, for instance, you know, can you just sort of run us through the mm-hmm. application of it on a wall?
0: Well, it's a lot more expressive and a lot more fun, I think. Um, it's a lot looser as well. You don't have to kind of worry so much because lime wash is very easy to clean up and It doesn't smell, so you can, and you can kind of, I don't know, for me personally, I feel like it's a lot more fun to use. But um, yeah, you do need to use a brush. And there's a couple of rules with lime wash. You have to spread it out thinly um, and pattern it as you go. So you can't just kind of start and stop. You've got to commit to the whole wall. And um, yeah, it's, if you don't spread it out correctly, Um, It can then be a little bit powdery. So that's one um, thing you have to be aware of. But that's that's kind of basically it. Um, One of the things we say is uh, trust the process um, because it is different. And when you see it, you think, oh, my goodness, what what have I done? Um, But that's usually just the first coat. And then once you've done a second coat, it looks a lot different. Um, But, yeah, I think most people end up enjoying it because it is a little bit more creative than just using a roller um, to paint your walls yeah people write to us yeah. and say oh i'm sitting in my room and i can't stop looking at my walls <laughs> so i think that's really nice feedback <laughs>
1: that's great um and what about can you sort of share some of the health benefits of of using lime wash as opposed to the sort of more conventional paints as well
0: oh well there's quite a multitude um one it doesn't off gas so it has no VOCs because VOCs, you know, volatile organic compounds come from plastics and those types of solvents and things like that. Um, so, and those chemicals off gas for years. Um, so that's, I think that's one of the major benefits, but it's also much kinder in the environment. Uh, the manufacture of it is very, very light on the environment. And the disposal is also very light on the environment. In many cases, you can just put it straight into your compost because it's made from limestone. There's a couple of exceptions to that, a few colors that you might not want to put in there natural, but that doesn't mean you want to have them. But um, yeah, it doesn't leave plastics behind in the environment. And one of the main chemicals that are in conventional paints, which I think we need to be a bit more aware of, are biocides. So we're kind of concerned that we don't eat pesticides in our food, but all acrylic paints, and water-based paints have biocides in them because otherwise they would be mouldy, um, and that's, that's a, and formaldehyde, very both very serious chemicals people use without really realizing. Uh, so lime wash works; doesn't need those chemicals to work. It works using the process of taking air from the environment and turning back into limestone. So it's a natural process of. Because you know, paint has to stick to the wall, and so it either has to stick via the process of plastic or oil, or in this case, we use it that air does the job, which is a lot kinder, of course, for the environment.
1: Yeah, and I guess some of the things that often—I mean, I used to work in a paint store a long, long time ago. Um, you know, sort of a conventional paint store, sort of selling you know the water-based paints and enamels and, and so on. And, you know, one of the questions that people are always asking about is, you know, durability in terms of, um, you know, if you're, I mean, can you apply it to woodwork for instance? Um, And, you know, that kind of around skirting boards, that type of thing, or is it only the type of product that you would use on a wall? And also serviceability. So if you've got marks on the wall, children, you know, all of those kind of things, how easy is it to clean? you know does the the color maybe come off at all if you're cleaning it or you know can you sort of share some insights into into those elements
0: um yeah on the durability aspect once it's had time to cure so because it's not plastic um, drying you know within a few hours even though it's touch dry it probably takes at minimum two weeks to cure and it continues to cure over years. Um, so the longer you have it, the more durable it is, and the more you use it, the more durable it is because you build up more and more and more coats over time. That, but that's the sort of long view. Um, With w- regards to children, I mean, I think to me the the health aspects of lime wash totally outweigh durability concerns for me. That, and but it's a personal choice, I think. Um, but what we say to people that want to have a bit more durable is use lighter colors because they're a lot easier repaired or redone um also lime washing is very quick so once you've done it once you can also do a refresher coat which is what they always did traditionally and refresher coats also have a lot of anti-ba- lime Wash has antibacterial qualities and so it's a bit of a redo of your space uh, you can change your color or you can, you know you can change the color in your room in a morning and for under a few hundred dollars so we sort of try to get people to consider it a different way durability comes with a cost to your health and the environment health uh, health um, so the durability that you get is usually with conventional paints usually requires a lot of chemicals and we we made a decision in the very beginning that we would honor or go with what lime wash is and not try to make it into something it isn't but in saying that it's used in many commercial projects and we've used it in many projects of our own and I actually don't find the durability that much different to conventional paints unless they're maybe oil-based paints or something like that and you cannot we don't really recommend it to use it on wood it's not a wood paint but I do because I like it (laughs) So if you like it, you, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. But you, there's some rules to that, and it's it's only then if you're a real lime wash diehard, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And what about in um, wet areas such as bathrooms? Is it suitable for those kind of spaces?
0: Yeah, very suitable. It's really great in bathrooms um, because of once again the antibacterial uh, properties. Mold doesn't grow very easily on lime wash because it's highly alkaline. And it also has the ability to uh, regulate humidity. So, lime wash can store moisture, then release moisture, which um, just seems kind of strange, but it can do that um, because it's a natural material. Um, we don't recommend it in place of tiles. Um, you know, you need to have uh, tiles in your shower and behind your sink. But in the bathroom, generally, where you use paint, it's, it's fantastic to use. Yeah,
1: great, great. I'm sure that you're going to have many people curious to to try it out um, if they haven't already. What about um, colors? I mean, as you say, you know, you, you worked for many years with color as a um, textile pattern designer. And what, what are some of the, I guess, you know, I I don't like using the word trend because I just, you know, I, I think that you've just got to go with what feels right for you. But when it comes to using this kind of, product in spaces is there a different way that it reacts to light so say for instance if somebody's got a dark room does it absorb you know the darkness more or the light you know vice versa with the light like does it react differently to light in terms of what you might consider in terms of colors for different types of spaces
0: yes it does a lot actually um and that's one of the beauties of lime wash also sometimes some of the challenges of lime wash because um It refracts light really beautifully, but then it also really does refract what's around it. So we always recommend really making sure that that you test the colour out in your space when you use it because um, all colours, you know, look different where you put them. But our colours especially are very light refractive and that's because light bounces off limestone, Limestones, because it's a stone or a mineral, the refraction of it is much different than to flat plastic. Um, So I think one of the major things or things people love about our paint are actually the colours. And the colours are made by us differently to other paint brands. Um, We take, I've got a big collection of pigments and I understand those pigments very well. And they're like my children in a way. <laughs> and I, every color, I create every color, and I create every color and I test it and try it out and I see how it really looks on the wall. And I choose and make colors like a painter would. Um, so I look to the undertone and I try to get under, you know, because we're using natural pigments, also those natural undertones that are You know, for instance, I use umber a lot, so that might be in every colour a little bit, just underneath it, and it kind of gives the colours a different look to traditional, conventional paints, because they're all tinted with um, a universal tinting system, which every paint company uses, pretty much. And those tinting systems are also, once again, um, solvent-based, and they... There's maybe six to 12 choices. And so then the colors just don't have the nuance, I think, that that we create with the Lime, uh, with lime Wash and Pigment.
1: Yeah, no, I can still remember. I'm pretty sure it was E16, <laughs> which was like the, <laughs> the ochre, you know, like that was the color that everyone, which was, Dulux Off-White I mean that was the one that everyone would get you know into a four litre can of paint so I used to sort of you know with the the testing system and, and do it in that sense so you know it's um yeah but it's just I think it's so much more rich and so much more depth obviously with the the sort of the line wash finish again like you've kind of worked a lot with um you know a range of different people and had collaborations with different designers such as Abigail Hearn and I actually recently interviewed um Louisa gray from House of gray and she's done some colors with you um what can you just sort of share some insights into that process and and how different designers what they've come up with and and what you've learned in that process of what they've you know because you work on your own colors but mm. you know what they've come up with and how that's maybe different to what you do or
0: yeah, well, that's a really fun part of it, actually. Um, especially the last one with Louisa Gray. We really went into great depth together um, because she's very exacting and very clear on who she is and what she's doing. And I really liked that. Um, and we worked we worked a lot. It took us nearly, I think, eighteen months to come up with the colors. Uh, we made nine colors together. And it was a yeah, it was quite a long process, and for that reason, that we checked it in different light—Australian light, Europe light, UK light—making um, sure that the colours really came across with the feeling that that we wanted to uh, create. Because we didn't also just do the colours as colours; we did them as um, we wanted to make them feel like you feel a certain way in those rooms, and they all have names. Um, around that, you know, nurture, um, still, slow, things like that. So, we also wanted to create colors that evoked feeling um, in the room, not just a color, mm. as it were. Yeah, that was a really fun um, collaboration. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, can, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. She was great to talk to. So, can you share? Mm. what the difference is between Andreas, how he works in the business, and and what your role is. I mean, you've sort of spoken about you really work with the pigments, but as a team, you know, you've been working together for so long now. Um, Can you give us a little bit of an insight into that?
0: Yeah, we've been working together for, I don't know, maybe over 30 years. (laughs) um yeah well we've learned to work together really well actually (laughs) after years of sometimes fighting lots but I mean we've always worked together well but not always No, let's be real sometimes it's not always easy to work with your partner and live live work everything um but we've really come into a sweet spot now I would say um he tends to um work a lot on the technical side of everything. Um, also the, a lot of the business administration, um, he does a lot of that, but it depends a little bit. I I tend to do all the Australian work and he does all the German work because we're running business in Germany. So he has the joy of uh, the admin, administrative side of all of that. Um, he's also very good on the materials like um, thinking about um projects and what materials could be used um, he does a lot of big projects like for the king of uh, jordan um, Still, we still work in saudi arabia on projects we work with london architects so he's more on on that on that level doing making sure that projects get specified correctly and supporting customers uh, we're also building a new website we do a lot of that. The work in house ourselves, um, so he also manages the building of that. Um, yeah, he's very technically uh, proficient,
1: <laughs> way more than me. <laughs> well, it's good to ha- it's good to have that balance, yeah. though, isn't it? And what about uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I mean and your business, you know, seems to be doing so well now. I mean, I think I always think that it takes at least ten years for a business. To, to really kind of get into its stride in terms of, you know, getting that momentum. I'm, I'm curious whether you agree with that, whether it was 10 years for you, you know, before you sort of started to hit your stride. But I mean, you must have been going now for, you know, over 20 years with this particular business. What are some of the big lessons that you've learned along the way, you know, in running a business? I mean, lots of people who listen to this podcast have got their own business, you know, within the creator sphere, probably much earlier along their journey than what you're at now what can you share some of the big lessons that you've learned
0: yeah I think it does take 10 to 12 years to really like establish yourself and um I think what we do well and I think this is a bit of a way to move forward in anything in life is small steps every day we do something every day all of us to get better, to make something better, to make it more efficient. We love to sort of systemize things. We like to, you know, everything that we do, we like to improve upon. And I think doing that as a habit every day, then that that gives you success uh, in the end. And I think working with focus is also really important.
1: What about do you have within, I'm always curious about how people like structure their days and their time Do you have, you know, are you a morning person? Do you like try and focus on doing specific tasks at a certain time of day or? on certain days, is, do you work in that way at all? Or how do you manage I'm your I'm supposed time?
0: to. I keep telling myself I should and I keep writing myself little notes that I should um, Our goal is always, yeah, next year we're gonna blah, blah, blah. Um, We, you know, we have quite a, we have a, only a small team, but there's a lot of management required. So that sometimes pulls you in every different direction. Um, what we tend to do is we meet for um, espresso in the morning. <laughs> Um, to wake up and then we just go straight to work and um, but for us I don't know we've always loved our life we don't kind of consider work and life two different things for us they're the same thing Um, and we love it so we just kind of get up every day and um, go to our separate offices and do our thing and then meet at lunch um, with our son and whoever else wants to join and then we meet again in the evening kind of thing <laughs> we often go for walks too we go for walks we have um we walk and talk with that's we find the best way to have a meeting is to get away and get like walk for an hour and then discuss things so that's kind of how yeah. we do our days
1: <laughs> it's funny actually that my husband and i we we do that a lot as well i mean we're on a country property and we we often yeah Go for a walk and talk about things. I just I think <laughs> there's no children around. <laughs> it's the time that we can really and I think there is something about the walk, the rhythm of walking, that just kind of gets the ideas going. And yeah, I find it very productive. Um, now I I don't. Um, I've obviously shared your story of moving to Germany, um, in my book still, and we, Chris and I shot your space there, but maybe you can kind of give a little bit of an insight as to why you decided to, to leave Australia. You were based in Western Australia at the time and why you decided to then go and make that move to, to live in Germany. Can you share a little bit about that journey?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure.
1: Um,
0: Well, some of it wasn't really planned. (laughs) Some of it was, I guess. I think we realized early on that West Australia only has a very small population, and we'd always sort of thought our brand, we always had in our mind something bigger than we ever were. I'm not really sure why, but we just always did. And um, so we, we thought quite early on, within sort of three to four years, that maybe we should look elsewhere. Um to grow, and we did think of just growth towards the eastern states of Australia. But then we thought maybe well, it doesn't have to be that. We could service that by doing that online. So we started online. Well, maybe it wasn't quite then. It was a bit after that. But um, <clears throat> we started to think that direction for Australia, and um, we then uh, went to the Middle East because uh, that was a, we felt that could be a good market for lime wash. And we established ourselves there. And then during that, we kind of travelled to Europe because Andreas is German and also I love Europe. Um, And I'd also sort of had in the back of my mind that I'd like to live elsewhere because we'd lived a long time. I'd lived my whole life in Australia and we'd lived a long time in Fremantle. Even though I love Fremantle, I wanted to experience living somewhere else. So that was kind of the background. And one of the times we were on holiday here, uh, we found this house online um, that has Europe's oldest plane tree. And in all the houses that we ever built or did in Australia, we always planted plane trees. That always loved them. And so we came to have a look and then fell in love with the house and bought it on a kind of crazy whim um, with no plans really <laughs> to live here or work here at that time. We were busy doing other things. And so for a long time, I think we've had the house now, maybe 13 years to 12 years, and um, we hadn't really planned to live here and work here. So we just used to come on holidays and have fun, and um, we love decorating, love projects, love building, all of those things. So for us, that was fun. And then, um, I don't know maybe six years ago or so, we thought, actually, this is really great here and um, let's transition out of Middle East and into Europe um, just for ourselves to live. And then we started doing work and then we, start <laughs> we started with a very small team and then we just built it um, and, you know, we've turned it into something quite large, um, bigger than we imagined actually. And, yeah, so and it's growing all the time so we're spending a lot of time um we've also got two very large barns here which we're just about finished renovating for the entire production uh to be done in yeah so it's been a really good fun and i love living in the countryside yeah
1: (laughs) oh it was a beautiful spot i think you it's one of those barns someone had a wedding there just after we left Yes. Yeah, mm. yes. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's right. My nephew. Oh, that was so good. It was a very good beginning yeah, for the it's, barn. It's yeah. nice
1: when you have those kind of <laughs> occasions. It's like it kind of gives, brings this beautiful yeah. energy to them. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's an amazing home. I, yeah, I, I, love the experience of getting to stay there and, um, and how is the house? <laughs> is it, I mean, is it?
0: The house is probably not that much different. <laughs> because we always just for everyone to know it's a very large old house like a 20 room manor house um, which was completely without electricity and everything when we got it broken windows etc so it's now habitable and we have heating and we have all the all the things you need but it's still not renovated it's probably a lifetime's work but we love it and we we enjoy living in it we tend to sort of always be doing working on our business rather than our house but um, yeah, it's, it's lovely. It's a lovely house. We love having people visit. Yeah,
1: no, it was, it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, before you go, I've got some other questions that I like to ask us, um, towards the end. And they're just kind of to give a little bit more of an insight into you and, and, um, yeah, what, what you're inspired by and all of those things. So the first of all, mm-hmm. um, the question, the first question is which five words best describe you?
0: Well, first with being patient, <laughs> very. Um, I've <laughs> written you down so that I can remember that. Um, <laughs> enthusiastic. I'm very enthusiastic about everything. Um, pretty determined. I guess I'm quite passionate and what about what I do. Um, and I think, I'm, I think I would like to say that I'm kind. I think that's a very um, important quality. I hope that I have, um, but maybe not yeah. always to myself. I'm a little bit oh. self-critical. I guess that would yeah. be me, I no. think.
1: <laughs> um I mean I I think you're yes definitely very kind um what's the best life or career lesson you've learned (laughs)
0: I'll be yourself Mm. like it's obvious but it takes I think for myself anyway it takes a long time to sit in yourself um and you know and it's okay to make mistakes and Um, You know, and everything, it's okay that things take time. I'm impatient too,
1: so I need to hear that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's your proudest career achievement?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. I think my proudest career achievement is to have a successful business after so many years and have a a successful family business. Um, Both our sons work in our business. I obviously work with my husband. and. Um, and we have people that are proud to work with us. I think that's—I think that's my what I feel is an achievement, and that uh, I feel we've created a brand that people um, respond to and 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 feel that we have integrity and things like that. That those things are really mm. important to me.
1: No, it is. It's great. What's been your best decision? Mm, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Buying that house. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, yes, I do. I think one of my best decisions is to have moved to to Germany. I do love it. Yeah, I think to buy this I think you're that's right. The, yeah, thanks for okay. that prompt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who inspires you?
0: Oh yeah, my family again. Yeah, and my extended family um, as well. We're lucky to have be blessed with a lot of extended family and uh, and friends. You know, things people that. Uh, I love people that are doing things and and I love getting together and we all talk about and and we don't just do it about our work but personally we all like to sort of we're all interested in growth and um yeah, expanding ourselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I like that. Yeah, both of you are good at a conversation. I remember that. (laughs) It was really good. (laughs) Something we talked about. No, I mean, some people are just really comfortable chatting. yeah, yeah. No, just joking. Um, what are you passionate uh, about?
0: Well, just about everything, I think.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: very passionate about, um, yeah, my life, um, my kids, my husband. Yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about life in general, Um and, and my work, I just absolutely love it. I, uh, 22 years, I never, never didn't once wake up feeling excited to go to, to, for my day. I, I think I'm really blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What dream do you still want to fulfil?
0: I'd like to do more on our house. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've also plan a big garden next year. Um, I love growing all my own vegetables, so I'm planning a big vegetable garden and I'd love next year to be able to invite more people here and share what we're doing, and one of my dreams is to have country weekends where people can come together and just chat and enjoy each other, people maybe that don't know one another, but bring people together and experience yeah, nice times together, drinking wine under the tree or having a nice meal. Those things I love, so that's what I'd love to do next year, more of that.
1: What are you reading? Have you got anything on your bedside table at the moment?
0: Yes, I'm reading Fabric by Victoria Finlay. It's a book about the history of fabrics, which is really fascinating. Yeah, I love it. I quite like fabrics still.
1: So, is that um, nonfiction? A nonfiction book?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's nonfiction.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, great. Mm. And what are you listening to? Do you listen to any podcasts or otherwise music? You know, what what mm. do you like listening to?
0: I'm listening to, I love listening to the BBC. I'm listening to Intrigue, which has got lots of really fascinating stories. Um, and the one I'm re- listening to currently is because I'm always interested to learn more about German history, Um, which is about the people that did a tunnel between the old East Germany to escape into West Germany. I found that it's a really great podcast, very interesting. Oh,
1: wow, interesting, yeah. I
0: love history. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: No, well, I mean as per your house. <laughs> There's lots of history in that house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Uh, um and finally, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self?
0: That it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah, like and it's okay, yeah, and just to accept yourself. You you know, I don't think it's very easy when you're young to really see who you are.
1: Yeah. No, I can I can appreciate that completely. Well, thank you so much, Bronwyn. It has been such a delight to connect with you again and and learn, you know, what you've been up to and all of the things about your amazing company and products. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for, for people to go out and, and try it for themselves and, and see the difference. So thank you for your time today. Well,
0: thanks so much, Natalie. It was really great talking to you. You made it really easy. Thanks. <laughs>
1: All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint.